There is a giant, a blue whale, a leviathan. On his colossal flanks we were mere flies. Bob was king of the universe. Thou shalt have no other god but Bob. I say was, because even kings can topple, even gods fade away. And as surely as one falls, another rises in its place. Get to the point, Monocle, we don't want your fucking life story. This was Racist Dave's warning, or literary suggestion, when he heard I intended to write about what happened to us, how we suffered under Bob, how we were drawn past him into that cruel and shadowy world, how we made the mistakes we did. Dave said he didn't trust me to make a beeline for the blood and gash, that I yacked on too much. It is true that I'm different from my fellow chefs, one who is not afraid to employ words like Leviathan, if the situation demands it. Apparently, Dave considers this a stain on my character, for he has appointed himself as a sort of editor to me. I didn't mind showing him the drafts, I said, but let me handle the grammar. Dave said he didn't care about that stuff anyway. He just wanted to make sure I didn't get carried away with things a continuation of a long-standing kitchen policy towards me. For many months, my mouth was barely open before the rebuke started flying. You speak like an arsehole, it has been observed. Stop babbling or I'll stab you in the face, that was another one. Monocle is always so fucking proper. Well, pardon me if that's a crime. Monocle was Dave's idea, after Bob, with unconcealed glee, informed the kitchen of my English lit degree. Fucking university, said Dave. That explains it. Dave was proud of the nickname without good reason. Students do not wear monocles. I suggested he was thinking of a mortarboard. He suggested he was thinking of unspeakable acts with my mother. A rude man, racist Dave, and an obtuse one. Whatever its origin, Dave used the nickname a lot, often several times in the same sentence, and with his sponsorship, Monocle, soon passed into the kitchen's common parlance. Only Ramelov was reluctant to use it. He was angling for either an unsuitable boy or an extraordinary cunt. He was unhappy about a chiffonade of mint I had done that had bits of stalk in it. Ramelov was also unhappy about how much I talked, which he said, Quote, was unbecoming in so shit a chef. And he was unhappy, like they all were, about my speed. If you were moving any slower, he said, you'd be going backwards through time. In his recent correspondence, Ramaloff seconds Dave's support for the project I have undertaken. He, too, wants a little light on the dark heart, Often he asks that I tell this story with the greater truth in mind and reminds me of a promise I made under some duress. I have not forgotten it. But how can we ever hope to explain what we did without retracing our steps back to Bob? Without Bob, there would be no fat man. Perhaps no Ramelov either. Bob brought us all together. Without his tremendous cruelty, what would I be? He made me grow up fast. He forged my resolve. Here, in these early memories of the swan, I can see all the markers for our decline and resurrection, our past and future trials. 
all the creases of character and thought that brought us to a single moment in time. Ramelov was in the walk-in now because of a pollution, or the lack of a pollution. Bob had a grouse on order for 38, and it was customary, essential even, for there to be a pollution of watercress, or failing that, some sprig of dressed greenery at the very least, in a salad bowl on the pass in front of Bob, but not wilting under the lights when all else was plated up and ready to go. Bob called for it late, and sometimes he did not call for it at all, but it was Ramelov's duty to know when a pollution was required, and to have it standing by. And it was Ramelov's fault if it was not. Pollution! came the cry for the grouse on 38, as the jus was sliding round the plate and the steam was rising into the hot lamps. No answer. No, we chef.